Good morning. What a wonderful song to start our service off with, our wonderful Lord. So very glad that we have the opportunity to know him in all of his wonder. Amen. So glad that you're here and uh, looking forward to this beautiful day. It was, I mean, it was, it was almost hot out when we came to church. First Sunday in February and groundhogs are being talked about and palindromes if you're in the youth class and, and uh, so much things going on. But, but this is the day that the Lord hath made and we will moan and groan about it. We often do, don't we? No, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice together. Let's stand. And uh, I've asked Kira if she'd please pray over the service. Yes, do it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Please remain standing. Brother Rocky's coming to lead us in the singing. Let's just lift up our voices and worship the God whom we serve. Let's enter into our music worship this morning by singing that chorus, Jesus, name above all names. If you need the words, it's on 120 in the hymnal.
Turn to page number 127. Praise the Lord. Just felt like I've worshipped this morning. Amen. Amen. 
So grateful this morning to know that name. Amen. Just feel a little overwhelmed by his presence this morning. Amen. Amen. He's worthy this morning. He's worthy. Hope of earth. Enjoy heaven. I don't think you can understand that until you know him. It's not the streets of gold and it's not mansions or rooms or whatever you think you're getting. It's not the jasper walls and it's not the pearly gates. It's not the angels. It's not even seeing our loved ones. That's the joy of heaven. It's seeing him. Face to face. That's the joy of heaven. Amen. Well, he's here. And it's a beautiful atmosphere to worship him in. And so as we go to the place of prayer, um, let's, uh, let's remember the needs we've been praying for. Valora needs a special prayer. She's been having some difficulties, including some financial difficulties. And uh, I just would like to, to uh, remind us that we I don't hardly ever bring it up when we don't ever take a special offering for it. But um, we do have a special fund for those that are in need. Um, and if you would like to give towards that, um, that would be wonderful. Um, I probably should mention it more often than I do. Uh, to keep it before us, I think it's easy for us to forget about it. Uh, we do have it on our uh, monthly treasures report, but um, uh, let's pray for Valora. She's she's been faced she's faced some illnesses as as uh, most of our families have been touched by that in one way or another. Um, but so let's but as well as the financial difficulties, uh, my grandfather remains um, about the same. Um, let's continue to remember Sister Joy, and Spen uh, Spencer Smith, and uh, Amelia, these physical needs. And let's also remember Samantha Shaper in prayer. Also those that are grieving, thinking especially of uh, the David Knight family. Um, we want to remember Autumn's friend. Autumn, I can't remember. It's your cousin, isn't it? Lindsay. Let's, let's remember. continue to remember Lindsay spiritual need, and then Lorinda has a co-worker um, whose uh, unborn child has special uh, uh, has needs, and so let's, let's pray. Um, the results tomorrow or Tuesday. All right, so let's, let's uh, surround this individual in the place of prayer that, um, that God's will be accomplished in this little life. I'm glad we serve a God that all life is precious to. All life is precious to that child, uh, to God, and that child is.
God already knows that child by name. And so let's, let's uh, pray uh, for this need. Let's continue to remember our unsaved loved ones, Brent and Michael. Um, to remember our nation, I, I understand that this week, I believe Wednesday, uh, the Senate is voting on um, whether to acquit or convict the president. So we want to be in prayer for that. And um, let's, I also believe the State of the Union address is this week. So it's going to be a, we need to pray for our president for wisdom. That's, that's got to be an interesting thing to be preparing the state. Uh, I, I don't know that I'd want to prepare the State of the Church address if I knew you were voting on me the same week. Um, <laughs> so anyhow, let's pray for, let's pray for our, our president, for our senators, those that have responsibility. Let's pray for our community, Lord would help. Speaking of State of the Church Address, that will be this coming Sunday. I appreciate you pray for me. As I don't have any hired speechwriters. I wish I did. Anyhow, uh, please pray for us as we prepare, uh, continue to prepare that. Um, let's remember our missionaries this morning. Let's uphold them. We, we have some missionaries that right now are facing some pretty serious situations, and uh, we want to pray for them. Let's remember, not just our missionaries, but let's remember the people that they're ministering to. That some of them are facing some difficult elections, violence surrounding the elections. And let's, let's, pray for, let's pray for our holiness brothers and sisters around the world. Let's, let's not fail to remember them. And, uh, of course, let's remember Cameron in prayer. Let's remember the school. Lots of sickness going around. Um, Brother Todd Hamilton needs our prayers. Um, he, was, he had an episode. We're not sure what it was. Uh, Thursday of this week had to be taken by ambulance out of the school. Um, pretty serious situation. Um, he was released from the hospital almost right away, but... Um, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And so let's remember Brother Todd Hamilton in prayer, uh, the physical need there. Um, are there other needs that are on your heart or something maybe that I've forgotten? I know there's many sick. Um, All right, let's remember Shaylee in prayer, having more testing this week. Um, let's remember uh, the PR group from the school that's out. It's our group, Brianna and Norma's group. And uh, I contacted uh, the school and said, I still want that group, even though we've had a group. I, I want that. And what I'm actually trying to have happen is I'm trying to get that group to come during our revival. So that's so that they will have one of the evenings to sing a couple of songs, just so we have our own group. So um, anyhow, so I'm working towards, towards that. We don't have it set, but that's what we're trying to get accomplished is to get that group here, at least for one, for at least one of our revival services to sing two or three songs, but yes. 
good. Good. Amen. Praise the Lord. God answers prayers. Amen. Good report. Any other needs? All right. Let's remember this. I know some here are really going through some battles right now. And uh, we, we need to pray for each other. It's, uh, it's good to pray for family and friends and, and those that we care about, but, but we are family, and so let's hold each other up. I know many here are going through stresses and frustrations and battles and trials. Let's pray for each other. Any other needs this morning? All right, well, let's call upon the one that we've been singing about this morning. Amen. Amen. So means that can't well, let's kneel before the Lord. Let's have a good season of prayer.
Father, we think of those that are suffering physically today. Lord, we're appreciative of the good report from Amelia. We know, Lord, that she has a ways to go, but Father, we're putting her into your hands. We think of, of Samantha Schaefer this morning, and Father, the, the doctors have so little hope, but Father, when her hope is in modern man or in modern medicine, but our hope is in you. Father, we pray if it be your will that you would bring healing to her body. Father, that she, that she would feel your touch. Father, we think of our country and funeral about the, the impeachment trial this week. You know about the way that they'll vote. And, and Lord, certainly most probably vote in accordance with the party. But Father, we're praying more than that, that, that your truth would come out, that your that a nation would realize its need to turn back to you. Father, we pray that you be with uh, Cameron and there at school. We pray that you draw him closer to you, help him to grow with knowledge and wisdom, help him to grow in his faith. We pray, Lord, that you be with our students, that, Lord, whether they go to the Bible school or whether they go to public school, we pray that you would anoint our students. Father, help them to live such a life before uh, their uh, classmates, that, that they would be draw, uh, that they, it would be a draw, Lord, that our, that the children there would recognize as something special. Oh, Father, we pray that you be with every, with every contact, every loved one, every every friend, every person that's on our floor. Oh, Father, that you would give us a burden, Lord. Give us a burden. Time for our Sunday morning expense offering for ushers. Please come forward. Orchestra is going to play a number for us. I'd like to ask Dean if he'd pray for the offering, please.
Thank you for your giving. Thank you for that beautiful offertory. I just don't feel like the music has, has lasted long enough this morning. I'm glad we have world-class singers uh, for our special here in just a few moments. Really excited about our special. Um, I'm probably more excited about it than they are, but anyhow. Uh, um, by way of announcement, we want to um, remind you that this coming Sunday in the morning service, uh, we'll be having our State of the Church address, and we want you to be here if you can be, and we will do a review of the past year and a, a prayer and a vision, perhaps, uh, for, the, for the coming year. And then the 16th in the evening service, it's your chance to... Tell me what you think. Do you, are you, after a week of praying about it, do you, have you, do you feel that there's more to be said? Disagree, agree, however. Um, and uh, the board, uh, as well as myself, we will sit up front, uh, at, and you can pepper us with whatever questions. Also, uh, board members, we do have a board meeting tomorrow night. And so we want to remind you of that. And then, it's not in your bulletin, but on the last Sunday night of this month, the service is going to be taken over. Our young people will be having the evening service. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. It's a youth takeover service. And last year they did a good job. And uh, some pretty memorable uh, things, and so they will be responsible for it all. So pray for our young people as they are preparing for that service, um, and the rest of us adults, except for Alex, probably and Lorinda maybe, uh, I'm not sure who else he might uh, recruit for the adults, but the rest of us adults are going to get the evening off. So Rocky's probably looking forward to that. Uh, he'll be leading singing. I know I'm looking forward to it. Um, I like it when our young people have the service. Now, you might ask, why do we do this? Well, we do it for lots of reasons. One of the reasons we do it is because um, we want the young people to get experience because they will, in a few years, be doing the jobs. They'll be our ushers. They'll be our Sunday school teachers. They'll be our preachers. They'll be... Uh, I don't know, uh, piano players and si singing specials, and they're gonna, they're gonna be, they're gonna be doing it in a few years, hopefully more than once a year. You know, so one, we want to make it easy for them to do that, and secondly, we do it because it's good for us adults. It really is. It helps us to pray for them. It helps us to, to. One of the things I think it really helps us is to remind us that God's got a future for our church. He's got a plan for it. And so I'm, there's more reasons than that, but you know, uh, the danger is, is I'll start preaching and we don't want that. So um, anyhow, we, we just want you to be aware of that Sunday night, the special youth takeover service. And you know what? You can invite people to that. And it might frighten some of our kids, but that's okay. We like them good and scared. Um, but, you know, someone might come to that that wouldn't come to a regular service. So uh, if you know somebody, 
that, that might be interested in that. Um, and I already know some of our young people are pretty creative. It should be pretty interesting. So uh, I, encourage you, I encourage you to invite for that. All right. I believe at this time, long in coming, because at least last time they, they had illness or whatever and, and weren't able to sing for us. So we're going to get the Kelso and Klein uh, families up here and, and uh, let's open our hearts to see that ministry of music. this morning. Uh, I don't have the words to say. I don't have the words to say to explain what God means to me, how much I love him, uh, other than love. That to me explains how much I love him. And you, each and every one, my heart is filled with love for each and every one of you. I appreciate you from the depth of my heart. You know, I was thinking about this song that it's an old, old song, but sometimes if you listen to the news today, I literally get depressed. I don't know about the rest of you, but I do. But we need to somehow get a grip on this song and realize that God is still in control and he's the one that's going to take care of it all. And we literally don't have anything that we need to worry about. Yeah, he 
at the sound of the trumpet, the skies blaze with fire, mountains thunder with God's judgment singing. But the saints have no fear, their Redeemer has come. Praise the Lord through all ages. Praise the Lord. He's still King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise his precious name. I did fail to mention we did get a thank you card from the Petersons for uh, those that gave towards uh, their project. I'll try to post that in the back. Um, I won't take the time to read it now. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We've begun to at least laid the foundation to the importance of knowing God's name, or, or shall I should say names. Um, and uh, I suppose that we could have started in Genesis 1, used the first name of God that's given, but I wanted and felt led to start with his supreme name, his highest name. And so we, we want to look at the first time that we are given that name in Scripture, and it's, it's kind of surprising to me that it, you would find his, his supreme name in the second book. Wouldn't you think it would be in the first book? But it's not. It's a name that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob didn't seem to know. Enoch, who walked with God and was not, for God took him, didn't seem to know this name. Adam and Eve in the garden who had communion with God in the cool of the day seemingly didn't know this name. And yet it's God's highest name. And a lot of Bible scholars agree that it is his proper name and that the other names that we will look at are really just descriptors, they just simply help us to further identify the character of God, but this is his proper name. So I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. You probably will recognize this event, Scripture. It's one that we've known probably since Sunday school days. 
Exodus 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 13. Moses is speaking to God. God has called Moses from the burning bush. And God wants to send Moses, and Moses is in the midst of his excuse tour. All the reasons he can't. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come to the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your presence we've spent this morning. To be with you is all that we want. And we're thankful that for those times when you pull back the curtain and we can sense your presence. We know you're always with us. We know you're always there. But these special times when it just seems that there's a special awareness. We thank you for that. Anoint this simple little message. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In our King James, when this name is given, it is usually translated LORD with an all caps. So as you're reading through, this name shows up, and, and it doesn't say I am. It says LORD in, in our translations. What's interesting is, is that this name appears over 6,800 times in Scripture. That is three times as much as Elohim. And we'll get to Elohim later. But that is just kind of a remarkable thing, especially when you consider that this name was considered so sacred that people didn't say it. If they were reading the scriptures, they would be reading, they would get to this name, and they would just pause and not say this name for God. In fact, the only time that this name was spoken was on the Day of Atonement. And because of that, we're not sure how to pronounce it. Some believe that it was pronounced Yahweh, and others Jehovah. Now that sounds pretty different to us in English, doesn't it? But we have to understand that, that the scripture was written without the vowels, and so what would happen is, is that they knew what the words, and so they would read them without the vowels. I think that would be hard to read that way. And just depending on which vowel is in front of that first letter either gives it a ja or a ya sound. And we're not sure. The scribes considered this name so special 
That when they were uh, transcribing scriptures, and they were writing the scriptures out, and they came to this name, they would stop. They would go and they would take a bath. Put on clean clothes. Come back. Get out a pen. Now you have to remember, they didn't have pens like we do. They had quills. Get out a pen that had never been used before. Write this name and then break the pen so it could never write another word. And we talk about honoring God's name. Wow. That's pretty, that's a big deal to write just a few letters. In fact, I believe it's four in Hebrew, just four letters that they would write. And I don't suppose quills came cheap in those days. It's pretty, that's, that's pretty special, isn't it? Can you understand why I would start here? For a name that, that the scribes who would write our scriptures would be so careful, so meticulous about this name. As I think about how easy it is for us to use God's name, we do it so so simply, so, and I don't want to say carelessly, but just even Jesus, who, who that name is so, so special to us and probably would be the closest thing that we could, could associate because we love him so much and we have that relationship with Christ and all the things that he did for us and And yet, how easy is it for us to say Jesus throughout the day? Not even in prayer. We don't take special precautions like this. And I'm not saying that we should. God didn't make those requirements for the scribes. Those aren't found in God's Word. This was was what people chose to do in order to give God's name honor. And I think about that, and do you know what it seems like? It seems like to me that so many of us today are looking to do the bare minimum. What is the bare minimum I've got to do to get to heaven? What's the bottom line? What's, what, uh, what's, what's, what's the cheapest way? What's the least I have to sacrifice? What's the least I have to do? What if... Can, can I get it at a cheaper price? And we don't think about it in those kind of terms. I think if we did think about it in those kind of terms, I think we would, it would kind of, I don't know, I think it would make us uneasy. But how, you know, we ask, how much scripture do I have to read to do my devotions? How long do I have to pray? How, how, How many times do I have to go to church in a week? And how long does that preacher have to preach anyways? (laughs) We are, 
There just seems to be something in our day, and I, and I don't know if it's our capitalistic society and that's all we've ever known. I don't know exactly the reason behind that, but we just have this, this innate drive for a bargain. And when you're buying clothes, that's a good thing. If you're buying a house, that's a good thing. Bargains are great. But when we're talking about worshiping the God of the universe, we get kind of, it just seems kind of icky. I know I should have a better word than that. I'm sorry I'm not the eloquent preacher that some are. But it seems there's something gross about saying, I want a heaven at a bargain. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say this morning? Just something that makes me uncomfortable. That icky word just keeps coming back to my mind. It just makes me feel like I need to go take a shower. When I think about how we, you know, I've heard some say, I, I, I just want to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth. Not me. Not me. I want, when I die, for that there be no one who has any doubt on earth. I want there to be no doubt in all of heaven. And I certainly don't want to have any doubt as I'm, as I'm about ready to cross the line of worlds. I want it to be so clear. I want it to be so abundant. I want it to be so over the top that there's no question marks. And when I read about the scribes being so careful that they will only allow the pen to write those four letters before it's destroyed, I think, Lord, how cheap am I? How cheap am I? How do I reverence that name? That beautiful name we sang about tonight. How do, I, how do I come into the presence of that name? Even Moses was instructed, take your sandals off, you're on holy ground. This is the, the atmosphere of a, of a revelation of this special name that, that Moses has his, has his shoes off and he is there in the presence of Almighty God. There's miracles going to be taking place of, of a hand turning leprous and then being healed, of a, a staff being turned into a serpent. There, I mean, this is a powerful place. And it's not because of the geography, it's because of God's presence and the revelation of who he is. And I want it cheap. Moses wanted it cheap. There's something in date. There's just something about us in humanity. We want it at the best price. How much are you willing to pay for heaven? You know, if I ask it like that, you would, you would tell me everything. 
But in the day-to-day, it's suddenly we start saying, oh, I want to keep this back, and I want to hold this back, and I want to keep this, and, and you know, i got to live, and i got to have this. And, and God wants us to live. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not here trying to get you to give more. That's not my purpose this morning. My purpose is to help us to understand that if we phrase it that way, if we think about it that way, it changes our perspective. How much would you pay to see Christ? How much would you be willing to give up to have a chance to see Christ? The sweet presence that we had this morning in the service, how much would you give to have that? And folks, I'm, I'm not talking about money. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about money. I'm, this is not a sermon on giving. This is a sermon on surrender. Or really an introduction. We haven't even gotten to the sermon yet. What I'm trying to help us to understand is that the things we value, we cherish. And the things that we cherish, we invest in. The things you cherish, you invest in. I love what's happening here at Altamont where babies are showing up. I love that. I hope a hundred more show up. Those babies that come in, they're cherished. Moms and dads who don't have a lot of money, you know what they're doing? They're spending money on wallpapering or painting rooms, and it's Noah's Ark, or it's, it's Winnie the Pooh, or whatever it is. And they put the money, and, the, you know, and grandmas and grandpas cherish that child, and so there's cribs that are bought, and bassinets, and swings, and, and bottles, and, and I mean... How many thousands of dollars are poured into this child even before it's even born? The dollar figure is astronomical. Aunts and uncles get on it. Cousins get in on it. The church will get in on it. Baby showers are thrown. And we will invest and we have invested in these babies because they are precious. Because we cherish them. And we will continue to invest in them. We have a nursery and we've, we have furniture back there and we have toys back there. And if they need replaced, we will replace them. Because those children mean something to us. They are precious. We cherish them. We have Sunday school that as they get older and we put our very best teachers in those positions those people that we entrust with their souls because we cherish them and we, want, we will invest our time, we will volunteer, we will do whatever we can do in order to teach them about Christ because we are going to cherish them. We will invest in them, not just money, but we will invest our time. And when they go off to college and the whole process, we will, as a church, because we cherish them, we will invest in them. We'll just do it. And you know what? We won't even think about it. 
Oh, it'll be intentional. We'll do it on purpose. But it won't even feel like it's a sacrifice of any kind because these are our children. There's not even a question about whether we'll replace that crib if it needs or, or changing table. There's not even a question. I know that if, if one of the mothers would say to me that it's, it's dangerous, it's going to fall apart, we need to replace it, I could go to the board without even having a board meeting and it would be done. It'd be done. We wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a thought. Probably one of the board members would say, don't ask us, just do it. If it needs replaced, just do it. And I'll tell them I don't operate that way. We've had these kind of conversations before. My point is, is we invest and we sacrifice for what we cherish and we don't count it as a sacrifice. We just do it. How much more for our Lord? I got a late start this, this morning. I better jump into my sermon here. We're still in the introduction. Good grief. <laughs> what is this name I am, Yahweh or Jehovah? I am that I am. It's kind of, it's kind of an enigma, isn't it? Who says that? I am that I am. Kind of a kind of a strange statement, isn't it? Isn't that kind of a strange thing to say, I am that I am? We now we might say I am who I am. And what we mean by that is I am who I am. I, I, I'm, not, I I'm not anybody else. Usually we say that in reference to a character flaw that we have that we're not willing to work on. Occasionally, we might use it in reference to a positive character flaw, or char not character flaw, positive character trait. And when we say, I couldn't help but do this good thing, it's just who I am. But he says, I am that I am. What does that mean? I think there's a lot of things that mean this, that we can take in. It's, that, of course, I am, it's, it's, it's to be. It'd be bad English, but we could say, I be what I be. I be that I be. And I was like, what? What does that mean? What is, what, is, what is God trying to communicate? Remember, the whole point of this series is that we're, supposed, we're trying to understand who God is better so that we can trust in him. And the first thing that I see is that, it, it, it is that he is unconstrained. And what I mean by that is he is self sufficient. He is who he is without need of anything external to be what he is. That's not the case for you and me. There are things that I need to be what I am. Hopefully not too long, maybe in an hour or so, I'm going to take in nourishment. My wife isn't well, so I hope it's good. but I'm going to have to take in some food so that I can be what I am. I'm going to have to take in something external. And a chicken or a cow or a pig will have to give their life so that I can be sustained. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> and plants will have given the fruit of their existence so that I can be sustained, so I can be who I am. But I need more than just food. I'm going to have to have a beverage. Probably water. And before the day is through, I will probably have at least another cup of coffee. I need to be sustained. I need to be who I am. And I need external things so that I can be who I am. If I don't take in those things, I will cease to be. I need shelter. I need a place to live. I need to be uh, safe from the cold and the heat and the rain. I need love. You'll die without love. We need someone external to us to love us as we are to live. And if nobody loves us, we're certain to die. You might can live a long time not feeling love, but even while you're living in that state, it's a pretty miserable state. It's a time of suffering. And eventually it will take your life. Research shows that men who stay single die younger than men who get married. I was kind of surprised by that. The way my wife cooked and the, all the weight that I put on, I thought for sure it must have shortened my life. But we need to be loved. We need it. God doesn't need food. He doesn't need water. He doesn't need heat and warmth, shelter. And as much as this might surprise us, God doesn't even need love. He supplies his own needs. Now we can say that we're, I'm a self-made man. I, I, really? We... We have, we have to take from our environment, but God doesn't. God creates the environment. And I know in heaven there are angels that, that are singing holy, 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 but God doesn't need that. So why does God create? If he doesn't need anything, why does he create? Well, why does an artist paint? Why does a sculptor sculpt? Why do preachers preach? It's who they are. It's who they are. Why do farmers farm? I mean, the list goes on and on. You do what you do because it's who you are. And God is a God of life and creation. He's a God of love and he wants to create Beings and environments in which there is love and there is joy and there are all the things that God is. He wants to reflect himself in what he creates. Just as the artist reflects who they are in their, in their artistry. Now, of course, we've come and messed it all up. 
But I think that further proves the point, doesn't it? If God needed us to love him, he would have just wiped it all out and started over again. He, would, he, wouldn't, he didn't have to, to, to keep the plan. But he didn't need us to love him in order for him to be God. He doesn't need our worship. We need to worship, but he doesn't need our worship. Well, I don't know about having this relationship with someone who doesn't need me. I mean, it's kind of nice to be needed. Sure. But isn't it wonderful that God gives us the opportunity to give back to him? See, God understands that need to be needed. And so God says, give me your worship. Give me of your tithes and offerings. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your offering. But he says, bring it in. Bring it into the storehouse. Because we, he understands we need to be felt like we're needed. Like we need to contribute to this thing, this love relationship. But God is unconstrained by the things that we are constrained by. And if I preach long enough, you'll get hungry enough that you might just walk out on me. Or pass out in the process. You're constrained. You have to. And all the parents will be so thankful for their crying kids. They're like, oh, we've got to get them fed. Get out of here. But God's not constrained by any of those things. Tells us that he's unchanging. I am that I am. God cannot rightly say that he will be. Because he already is. He is unchanging. This is important. Because if God changed, he would be inconsistent. He would be... Man, we wouldn't know what he was like today, would we? I mean, we could wake up and, and God would say, you know what, I'm having a bad day. I'm in a foul mood. Let's see. Let's zap some people. I'm glad God doesn't wake up in a foul mood. Hey, they, those people could use a hurricane today. It's not like that. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I hope in 2020 that I grow in wisdom. I hope that I grow in, in knowledge. I hope that I don't grow physically. And you know what? I need to grow in those areas. I need to grow spiritually, and I need to grow in knowledge. Physically, I'm past my prime. That's kind of a sad thing to think about. If I were a professional athlete, I would most likely be retired. I don't know if I like that retired part or the fact that I'm past the point where that would be useful. You get to a certain age and you no longer can box or play basketball or football or whatever it is. The, the, they get to their 30s and they got to hang it up because they're no longer at the top physical competing condition. They're past their prime. 
And I'm past that. I can't do the things I used to do. And for as long as that I used to do. I mean, I used to go to youth camp, and I'd play all week long, and I'd wish youth camp would last another week. Now, I mean, I can't wait for youth camp to get over. Man, I, man I'm sore, and I'm tired. Oh, man, I ache in places that I forgot could ache. And some of you young people are laughing, but you will come in a day. I can't run like I used to run. I can't do the things I used to do, but God can. There's nothing that God used to do that he can't do anymore. And there's never going to be a past his prime. Did you know God can't learn? God can't learn. He knows everything, and he knows everything that will happen. He knew he, didn't, he never learned your name. He always knew your name. God can't learn. It'd be miserable throwing him a surprise party, wouldn't it? You can't surprise God. Sometimes I think we, think we do by our sin or by, by uh, you know, our good deeds or whatever it is that maybe we can surprise God by our great faith. We can't surprise him. God can't learn. It's weird to say God can't do something can't because he's unchanging he's unending it says his name will be forevermore i am that i am there's never a time that god will not be you know we don't understand eternity we live in the confines of time and space, we only understand past, present, and future. God doesn't, God doesn't inhabit time. He inhabits eternity. And time is in eternity somehow. God inhabits the past, he inhabits the present, and he inhabits the future. And he sees it all. He's already in tomorrow. He's already in the next year. You say, how is, that? how is that? I don't know. I understand it. But Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Wait a minute. How are you present before Abraham is? Or was? Man, Jesus, I'm really getting confused with my verb tenses here. And verb tenses are really important because we need to know past, present, or future. But for God, it's, God, it's just, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And he could have said, after Donald Trump, I am. Or after, and put your name in. He won't say he will be. He says, I am there. I'm already there. This is why we can trust him when we know his name. We understand that he is already there. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't, I mean, I have a pretty good idea how, how the Senate's going to vote. They're probably going to go right along party lines. I have a pretty good idea that maybe one or two might, make it, might surprise you, but that'll be about it. 
That's a, everybody's expected this for months from the beginning of this whole thing. But do you know what? We only can guess that. God's already there. He already knows exactly the vote, and he knows how every single person is going to vote. He knows when the next war will take place, the next terrorist attack. He knows about your life, and he knows about that bill that you have coming that you don't know is coming. He already knows about it. There have been times that God has provided us money, and we have this bonus money. We're like, wow, we've got bonus money. And then the thought comes, because I have enough experience in this, uh-oh. Probably means that, it's good, that God knows a bill's coming, and he's already just give, given it to us. And not always, but it seems like quite often, God's met the need before the, I ever knew the need was ever going to be there. You hear this? People testifying, amens, and they're hearing it. They're relating to it. How did, I couldn't pray about it because I didn't know it was coming. But God already there knew all about it. See, this is why we can trust those that know his name can trust in him because we know from his name that he is already aware of tomorrow's problems. And if I know that he's aware of tomorrow's problems, guess what? I don't have to worry about them because God's already working on them. He's already working on it. This is what baffles my mind. If, I've got, if I live another 20 years, that God's already working on those problems I'm going to face in 20 years. What do I have to worry about if God's already working on the problem? Why do I have to stress about it? If the one who knows everything is working on it, what do I have? Man, I don't know hardly anything. What do I have to worry about it for? God's already there. I am that I am. I don't have an ending, and, and, and there's not a time that I am already not there. And I say, Lord, I don't get this. Because I, for me, there's a past and there's a future and I know there's a present. I'm there. I don't get it. And God says, that's all right. Just understand who I am. Know my name so that you can trust me. You see, we don't have to get it. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to be able to, to draw it out. We don't have to be able to explain it or teach it. We just have to believe it. Those that know my name will put their trust in him. We have to trust him because he says, my name is I am that I am. I'm already working on your stuff. Already. But I think one of the most beautiful parts of this name is that it means he's unique. He uses the personal pronoun, I. He is himself. He's not a force. He's not an idea. He's not a thought. He's not a figment of imagination. He is a unique individual. You say, why is that important? 
because I can't have a relationship with an idea. I can't have a relationship with a force. Thinking of, you know, big deals been made about Star Wars and the force being with people and all that stuff. And I think, you know what, what a sad thing that people have built their whole ideas and around this idea of force, a force for good, a force for evil. Gravity is a force. Do you love gravity? I don't. I can't love gravity. And gravity doesn't love me. I'm thankful for gravity. If it weren't for gravity, we'd be floating off somewhere. We'd be in bad shape. Gravity is important, but gravity doesn't love me. If I'm up on a ladder and I fall down, gravity doesn't say, oh, I love him and I don't want him to get hurt. I'm going to just lessen my force just a little bit just to help him down. I wish gravity would do that for me sometimes. Lots of times. Gravity doesn't care about me. Gravity will pull me down to the earth at 9.8 meters per second squared no matter what. And I can be falling out of an airplane and have a minute to talk to gravity and try to convince gravity otherwise, but gravity's a force. He, it's, he can't even call it a he. It cannot change what it is. It is 9.8 meters per second squared. Too bad for you. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I can try to convince gravity all I want that I'm going to be hitting the ground much too fast for my personal safety. Gravity doesn't care. Doesn't care. I can try to convince gravity that I will die if I hit the ground going that fast. It doesn't care. It will continue to pull me down. And when I step on the scales, it doesn't care that I wish the number were smaller. It's still going to pull on me as strong as it always does. It doesn't, want, it doesn't care about my feelings. It doesn't care about yours either. Be nice if gravity say, you know what? I'm going to make him feel good today. I'm going to drop off 10 pounds. Doesn't do it. Because gravity isn't a person. Doesn't care. Isn't loved and doesn't love. It just is. And God isn't just a force. He isn't just a being. He is a unique person. And when I cry out to God, he cares. And when I tell God I need him, he cares. And when I tell him that I, that, that I have feelings for him, it means something to him. When I tell him that I love him, and I can love him because he is a unique person, he is himself. And I can love him. And he loves me. And is there anything better to know except for your sins are forgiven that he loves you? I don't think there is. 
it all comes back to that simple acknowledgement of his own name. I am that I am. I am a person. And we can have relationship with him because he is a person. No, he's not human. No, he's not an angel. He's much more than all that. But he still loves and is lovable. I can't love gravity. As much as you might love gravity, you really can't. You can appreciate it, but you can't love it. As I think about his name, Yahweh or Jehovah or however it was pronounced, in some ways I'm sad that we've lost the way we say it. I think there's something, there's something beautiful when I think about I am that I am. And all that he is, I am not. But here's what's so beautiful. This person, this unique person, he heard the cry of the, of the children of Israel and he came to do something about it. And he heard the cry of all of nature as we groaned under the curse and he came and he did something about it. And he heard your cry when you were groaning under the weight of your own sin. And he came and he did something about it. His name's I Am. It's not I was or I will be. I Am. And if you know his name, you can put your trust in him. Stand together. Brother West, would you dismiss us in prayer?